Welcome to B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper, brought to you by True. For too long, B2B has lacked creativity and inspiration, leading to alarming declines in effectiveness and marketing departments being slowly devalued more and more within their organizations. We're here to change that by getting under the skin of what it really means to be a highly effective B2B marketer. We'll be speaking to some of the brightest minds in the industry to discuss what they're doing to be a bit more, well, Don Draper. And now, here's your host, Stuart Black. Joining us today on B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper is Danielle Regan, Director of Marketing and Communications at MACE, a construction company at the heart of the built environment. MACE connects expertise across the entire property lifecycle for the benefit of their clients, communities, and society more widely. Danielle has 18 years' experience working in marketing communications teams within the property and construction industry. So, Danielle Regan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So, first off then, what does being a bit more Don Draper mean to you? Great question. So, I guess if I put aside his sort of slightly dubious morals... When I think of Don Draper, I really think about showmanship. And I think it also means to me really sort of tapping into the emotive and and the aspirational. His character's just got this great way of painting this really vivid picture, really sort of trying to allow people to see what life could be like if you bought the product or, or you bought the service. And so I think he's just got this real knack of selling a dream. He's just got these incredible instincts, I think, that really allow him to sell his ideas successfully. And all of that seems like it fits quite well with the built environment. And we're going to get into that in more depth. But just so that you know, this is the first time we've had a marketer from the built environment sector on our show. So can you start off by telling us what B2B marketing means for a construction company like Mace? Construction is a relatively unknown industry, I think, to the, to the general public, uh, which is quite interesting because it, the construction sector contributes something like 9-10% of the UK's GDP. But I think that brand awareness is relatively low. And I was reflecting on that probably because I think about 99% of the companies in the sector are SMEs. Um, so the, the other 1%, which is kind of where Mace comes in, you know, we don't really rely on traditional marketing and advertising channels. We are very targeted um, in our approach and we're a high value, low volume business. Um, I guess the exception to that for us is when we do big high profile projects that the average consumer is interested in. So we get the sort of brand association with those projects. So for us, that's projects like uh, Battersea Power Station in the UK, Expo 2020 in Dubai or the Dubai Eye, um, Alain, London 2012, Olympics and Paralympics, the Shard, uh, Tottenham Hotspur's new stadium. So, you know, part of our job really is about really leveraging those projects and and the role we played in them. Um, But in addition to that, from a from a marketing perspective, we're very, very focused on positioning Mace as a, a purpose-led business, passionate about driving positive change in the built environment. Construction has been a really traditional sector until recently and, and one with a bit of an image problem as well. But the world is changing and I think Mace in particular is, is responding and, and trying to contribute to the broader industry's evolution as well. Um, so from a marketing point of view, that provides a huge opportunity because there are so many sort of meaty topics 
uh, that we can take a position on. So because it's modernising and transforming at, at great speed, we've got a great opportunity to get sort of really um, into some of those really meaty topics. So, you know, things like the skills gap, you know, productivity, uh, digital adoption, net zero, really focusing on improved societal outcomes. So we really try and mobilise a sort of full marketing and communications mix around those big sort of meaty topic areas. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, it touches on so many key areas, political areas. Uh, lots of our listeners would love to be able to influence policy, but probably haven't thought too much about it because they, they don't have the ability to do that. What have you learned about how best uh, to affect policy via your marketing? I think the first thing is with with public affairs is it, it's really tr- it's really easy to try and drink the ocean. Um, there is there, there's so many sort of topics and issues and, and policies out there, and so you just really have to think about you know the trade bodies are also there to represent business interest. So um, it's just being careful of thinking about what you're trying to influence and and why, and really what is actually going to influence your business. Uh, what do you leave to the trade bodies and what do we focus on as an organisation? Because actually you do need to free up senior people um, to, to do this properly and it is quite relentless. It does require quite a lot of time. So I think for us it's about being about being focused on a few big issues um, and that might look like in our sector, for example, the skills agenda or apprenticeships, retrofit, net zero carbon. So I think just trying to be quite focused and thinking about what is the role of industry and what is the role of trade of trade body and what are your sector trade bodies really focused on at the moment? And then I think it's about, you know, really knowing your policy. So before you're trying to influence a policy, making sure that you know what the exact policy area is that you're trying to change or create and how that will happen. You know, is it a national issue? Is it a devolved issue? Is it primary or secondary legislation or just, just guidance? Uh, so being really quite specific um, from a policy perspective. Um, and then I think once you know what the policy you want to influence or change is, making sure you've got evidence to back up that, that claim. So politicians, you know, civil servants, they want to know why that particular policy area is important and they want the data to back up those claims. So can you do polling? Can you do your own research to, to, to back that up? Um, and then it's about, you know, understanding your audience and, and really knowing knowing your message as well. Um, and, you know, obviously, if it's a minister you're trying to influence, they're operating in a wider political environment as well. So really making sure that you that you understand that. So at the moment, for example, if you're trying to influence a conservative politician in the UK, the kind of current political zeitgeist is all around growth. So could your policy lead to economic growth in some way? And, and if so, how can you kind of hone in on that message? Um, and then the last two points, really, I think, you know, can you build a coalition? You know, once you've got your policy and your message, are there other bodies um, that you can kind of uh, combine with uh, to get that widespread support for your campaign? Um, so getting the support of select committees, think tanks, you know, that can be quite powerful. Um, and then, yeah, timing is everything, really. It's just timing your comms to have an absolute maximum effect. Um, and the earlier you can influence in the policy making process, the, 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 the better. And then I think finally is just don't miss the opportunity to turn it into marketing ROI as well. So if you are looking to influence policy, how do you do it and ensure your clients and possible customers that you're engaged and informed and want to support their agenda? Um, so, for example, we're working on a retrofit policy paper at the moment, um, and that's partly to influence policy, but also partly to be very visibly engaged in, in the retrofit sector to, 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 to win work. 
Um, so our, our clients will think better of, of us if they see us looking to achieve the same goals as, as, as they are. Interesting. So you, you effectively have two hats then, traditional marketing on one hand and, and influencing policy on the other. Do the strategies that you employ on those two sides, to, to, uh, do you use the same strategies or how, how different is it? I mean, it all links back to our our group strategy. So we, we have a purpose-led organisation. So we've got one sort of uh, overarching purpose and then we've got three strategic priorities um, and, and everything really links back to, to, to those. So our whole marketing strategy, the public affairs strategy, all links back to those three kind of key strategic priorities we've got as a business. So yeah, when we look at, um, we, um, we're an integrated marketing and communications team as well, which helps. So it, it means we're all aligned around the same priorities and the, and the same, the same strategy. And let's make it concrete for everyone to understand. Can you give us an example of a campaign uh, maybe that you've been involved in or one that you've really liked that you saw as being particularly strong and shareable, um, referring to the things you're talking about? Good question. Okay, so there was one we did um, a couple of years ago now, actually, around free ports. And that actually... Um, so there, there was some noise in, in, in the media about uh, free ports um, and we actually kind of jumped on it quite quickly and put together a, a thought leadership paper that involved quite a bit of research, some, some polling, um, some economic modelling around if we brought free ports into the UK, what that would do to the economy. Um, and we, we quite quickly pulled that together, actually. Um, and then we we sort of then we launched it. We did a marketing campaign around it. We did we did an event. Um, we did some quite a lot of media engagement. Um, we did um, some kind of blogs. You know the, the whole kind of marketing mix really. Uh, but most importantly, that was about how we could get that in front of ministers. So I think Liz Trust was actually the. Um, uh, um, it was Liz Trust that we were trying to influence at the time, actually. Um, and we got that in front of her um, and, and enabled, us, enabled us to have some really interesting conversations around, around free ports and actually secure work on the, on, the back of, on the back of that. And we were trying to directly influence policy in that space. So that was a really successful campaign, both from a policy perspective and from a commercial perspective perspective for us as a, as a business and actually now it's one of the, the the Tory party's new um it's one of the policies that they're looking at um driving um, and we're doing a follow-up report on it actually at the moment um to really kind of keep positioning ourselves as a kind of expert in this space so so yeah that's probably um quite a relevant example can you tell us a little bit more about the company? Obviously, you mentioned some amazing projects that you're working on and have worked on. But what's the purpose uh, behind Mace and, and why does it exist? Yeah, it's a really good question. So we're so we're about 32 years old now as a business and um, you know, we're a global consultancy and construction business. Um, there's about um, 7,000 colleagues ar- around the world. Um, and I think, you know, from the beginning when Mace was established, it was really set up and shaped around a clear kind of clear purpose. And that was all around the the pursuit of a better way. Um, and it was all around kind of challenging ourselves to, to, to transform and innovate. And we kind of have this saying at Mace, which is others say it can't be done and, and, and we say it, we say it can. So that kind of real relentless pursuit of a, of a better way is, is really sort of why we were set up as a, as a, as a business. Um, but then a couple of years ago, we felt it was the right time. COVID was, we were in the midst of COVID. Um, 
Um, and we really needed to look at our business strategy. The board was very clear that they wanted to become a purpose-led business. So they wanted to put the, the planet, our people and the communities that we work in at the heart of everything. So really move away from a business that focused purely on sort of turnover and profit um, into a more responsible into a more responsible business. Um, and that was a real genuine, you know, a, a, an actual genuine sort of drive from, from, from the board. Um, so I was lucky enough to be involved in the, the creation of the, the, the latest strategy, the group strategy, um, and also refreshing our purpose. Um, so really taking that sort of DNA of a business that, that kind of pursuit of a better way, um, DNA and really looking at how that translates into a business kind of going going forward. So we spent about six months doing a, a huge amount of research, a huge amount of consultation with the business and with, with clients and the industry, really reflecting on our purpose and our priorities as an organisation and what our strategy should look like. Um, and then in January 2021, we launched our Refreshed Purpose, um, which is to redefine the boundaries of ambition which really builds on that sort of, you know, DNA of that relentless pursuit of a better way. Um, but it's about kind of modernising that and energising us and uh, to, to kind of improve, innovate and exceed expectations moving forward. So, yeah, so we've got our purpose um, and then we've got our three strategic priorities. Um, and it's all around, you know, going beyond dreaming bigger, really trying to achieve more for every place project and person that we impact and really trying to build a world where ambition has no boundaries um, and that is really at the heart of everything we do as a marketing and communications team you know in terms of how we communicate it's in everything that that, that we do um, and I think year one when we launched that purpose year one in particular was all about making sure that we were driving that message hard and in particular driving it into the culture of the business um, and keeping us focused on our purpose and our three strategic priorities it's a very clear vision especially i guess internally there but how do you communicate that message to your audience what methods are you using yeah so everything that we do we try we talked about a term um, called laddering which was certainly internally initially it was all around how our purpose is reflected in in our business operations so you know how does it impact our induction process our interview process how does it into our training and our so it was all about sort of making sure that it was embedded in the culture of the business and the reason why that's important is because one of our most important routes to market is our people because they're on site every day with clients every day and they're our brand ambassadors. So the more confident they are in talking about MACE in this way and talking about our vision and, and what we're trying to achieve as an organisation and how that can support our clients achieve their ambitions, that was our priority really is having those kind of 7,000 brand ambassadors out there in the market talking to clients day in, day out. So that was really important. Starting inside out was really important to us. But then externally, you know, the main channels that we use are, you know, thought leadership is huge for us. We do a huge amount of, of thought leadership and that can just look like sort of, you know, weekly perspective articles that we sell into in, into the media or, or email out to our clients or put on social up to big kind of thought leadership reports where we're really trying to influence and shift policy where we do a lot of research and a lot of economic modeling etc um but yeah i think you know it, it always starts with that big idea and that big kind of what we're transforming what are we looking to transform and how are we going about that yeah, so I think the, the main channels that we really use 
prior integrated campaigns or LinkedIn, you know, social media is a, a really big kind of um, channel channel for us, as well as media, email marketing, obviously our website, you know, for, for a B2B business, um, we have about 2 million unique users a, a year on our, on our, on our website. And we have a, a big return, return visitors. So our strategic clients in particular, we know that they come back on a weekly basis. So keeping that content fresh and interesting um, is, is, is really important to us as well. And then obviously events and experiences, that's another big kind of channel for us, particularly events on our projects, you know, having that kind of tangible project to showcase, um, getting our clients um, and potential clients down to our projects to show them the innovations that we've delivered on on, on our live sites um, and how we're looking to, to really kind of transform the industry. You know, it's very tangible. Um, you know, it's, it's just fascinating. And the, the people and the brains that work on these projects are incredible. Um, and nothing beats kind of showcasing those projects um, in the same way as actually going to see them and see it in action. Absolutely. You take it for granted sometimes when you see these amazing buildings that it all just kind of happened. But sometimes it's more exciting to see when it's half finished and you realise just how how difficult it was to put up. Um, it's it's fascinating. I remember going to Battersea Power Station a couple of years ago. Absolutely. I remember when I, again, on the Shard, we were trying to film, we had a helicopter trying to film the last piece of steel go on top of the, the top of the Shard. Um, but the helicopter honey had so much petrol. Um, so it, we had to do this incredible coordination job where the crane was lifting up the last piece of steel, which took about half an hour. And the helicopter had to set off at a certain time to ensure that they could film the whole the whole thing with the, with the petrol that, that it had got. And the tenseness and the, the excitement of, of, of that was just was just in, incredible. Yeah, very exciting. Um, moving on a little bit to brand. Uh, on this show, we believe brand building is the best way to drive long-term growth in B2B marketing. What's your approach to brand at Mace? Yeah, I mean, brand is central, really, to everything that we that we do. Um, you know, we're, we're a service business, so everyone in the business has got a role to play in, in building the brand. You know, we talk about our brand in terms of our personality. Um, we've got an adventurous spirit. We're ambitious. We see every challenge as an opportunity. You know, when others say it can't be done, we say it can. And 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 we've always been relentless about that sort of continual pursuit of a better way. So the only thing we have to be a bit careful of, really, I think, is our tone of voice. Um, you know, we we want to sound confident, brave, and imaginative, but we don't want to sound arrogant. You know, we want to be self assured, but not arrogant. So you know, that's something that because we've got this really ambitious business, and um, you know, it, it's very easy to kind of get, I guess, get carried away with with that ambition sometimes. That we just have to make sure that we're talking about it in a, yeah, we say self assured um, and not arrogant way. But you know, the, the concept of brand ambassadors is, is important to us. You know, as I said before, our people are with clients day in day out and, and representing the brand on a daily basis so it's really important to us that they feel confident in talking about the business and and the culture and and what's the role of advertising in the mix for you guys so we don't do a lot of advertising really um you know we when we do it's very targeted we do have a you know we're quite lucky in so much as that we have big hoardings on our projects um, so we kind of can often, if, if we can ag- agree it with the client, we can get some kind of outdoor advertising um, there. But we 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 do we do very targeted LinkedIn 
generally advertising and, and some other social platforms as well uh, and then we do our kind of a bit of outdoor advertising on our on our hoardings we, we're starting to use that more from a recruitment perspective um, because we've got, you know, sometimes our sites are in fantastic places. You know, we've got a site at the moment right bang outside one of the new Crossrail stations where the footfall is, is huge and the client's been generous enough to let us have some of that space. But as you say, having Mace spread across these amazing buildings is is such a powerful physical reminder of, of what the company does and, and just ties that association in with people's heads. So you see something amazing and you know Mace is behind it. Absolutely, and, and I remember when we had uh, the when we were doing it back to the shard when we had uh, we had our logo on the top of the slip form. Um, so as the core was rising um, up, as the as the building was getting was getting built, you know, you, you could from from loads of different part, vantage points in London, you could kind of see the Mace logo in in, in in you know in the in the background. So you know that that again, you know, was fantastic. Sort of um, you know, it was kind of a, probably a bit of guerrilla marketing to be honest. I don't know whether we actually agreed with the client that we could. Have have a massive logo on the on the top of that um that core but you know it worked quite well because all of a sudden friends of mine that had never really seen mace around um were saying oh i've seen mace yeah the shard you know so so uh yeah from, from that sort of brand profiling perspective it, it it does make a massive difference i love that amazing it's uh the, the biggest bit of guerrilla marketing in history perhaps <laughs> All right. So no matter how well thought through a plan is or how good your creative is, a campaign can't deliver unless it reaches enough people. So share of voice is crucial. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, we do quite a bit of kind of share of voice um, analysis. So we look at um, our share of voice across some of our key, again, going back to our strategic priorities and the things that we really care about and the issues that we're really trying to drive. So we do, particularly around our um, media um, media relations we do really look at where we're getting real deep penetration and I think because we are very very focused on some particular subject areas we do we do perform very well against our traditional competitors um, I think the, the the challenge for us um, we, is, is how do we get outside of those kind of traditional probably trade media and those sort of traditional um, channels and really start to have a voice on a much more public stage and how much emphasis do you place on acquiring new customers as opposed to loyalty strategies for keeping your existing ones? Yeah, I think repeat order business for us um, over the last number of years has always been in the region of sort of 75 to 80%. So we've probably got at any one time about 1,000 clients, but actually 50% of our revenue and profit comes from around 50 clients. So we've got a big focus on managing our strategic accounts and ensuring that we really do provide the best customer experience. Someone in, there's someone in my team who visits our strategic clients once a year to carry out a face-to-face in-depth kind of 90-minute customer survey with them to really try and understand how we're performing on that project, how the relationship is building, what's important to them as a client, um, how we can improve. And we do that year on year with our clients. So we've got a real kind of legacy of, of really trying to understand and deepen those relationships and improve that customer experience. And that really does help us with that repeat order business stat. So, and also really trying to look at are we, you know, from a share of share of spend perspective, are there other opportunities as well with that client organisation? So, yeah, I, I I would say that you know a lot of what we do is focused on existing clients, but equally we are growing as a business globally and going into new markets and, and new sectors. Um, so obviously that 
means we've got to sort of start from scratch in 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 many many respects so you know there's a focus on on in some of our growth regions like south america and and, and asia pacific um of really kind of doing uh you know that kind of acquisition piece um, so yeah it, 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 it's a balance it's a blend and it kind of depends on which markets we're we're focused on uh, and in B2B, some say emotional messaging is more effective in the long term, rational messaging more effective in the short term. How do you use emotion in your marketing? Yeah, so interesting. When we looked at our purpose um, back in the second half of 2020, we started to think about how we position ourselves in the market as a purpose-driven business. So as part of that, we did a huge amount of competitor re- research and we came across across what, what we started to call a better black hole. So there were lots of our competitors using the word better in their positioning and, and, and brand story. Um, and, you know, all, there was quite a lot of similarity in terms of how how um, how businesses were talking about themselves and so probably more on the rational um, end of, 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 of messaging. So we really purposely wanted to stay away from that. So we tried to focus really on, you know, yes, the buildings themselves, but also the end users of those buildings that we deliver and what those what that what those buildings and infrastructure mean mean for for, for for the end users, but also what's the process of working with Mace like? You know, um, so we really tried to get to the core of what the customer experience is like when Mace is at its best. You know, what clients can expect when they, when they work with us, and that was all about tapping into the tapping into the emotional. Um, so yes, obviously we're a technical organisation, so there's an element of, of, of rational. Um, um, that needs to be part of our messaging because, you know, people need the assurance that that, that, that we're a, a very competent organisation. But equally, there's a lot of that, you know, it's almost, that's almost like a hygiene factor in some respects. So how do you really kind of um, tap into that kind of emotive um, messaging to really connect with your customers and targets and, and potential employees as well? Um, so, yeah, so we do we do use emotion in our marketing balanced obviously um, with the, the credibility that needs to come from talking about quite a technical subject great answer all right that t- that brings us to our rapid fire round where i'm just going to throw a couple of choices at you and i want you to not think too hard just respond with your gut and we will figure out what you really feel about uh, all of this stuff number one advertising or abm abm logic or magic well that's really tricky because we're as I just said, we're trying to sell a technical service, which is kind of safety critical. So mm. my head said logic, but, you know, magic, magic every time. <laughs> Brand building or lead generation? You heard someone say once, um, sales overnight and brand over time. And I think, you know, brand is really probably where my heart lies. But equally, you can't beat the thrill of knowing that you've created an opportunity or, or generated a lead so I, I think um I, I think lead generation what's the problem with b2b right now i think that goes back to the better black hole mm. you know just generic messaging generic positioning um i think that's one of the problems and that brings us to don draper then how would he fix that problem i think he he would combine the best creative with you know a strong narrative steeped in emotion good answer and then finally what's your favorite don draper moment or quote i was thinking about the episodes and there was one where he did um a pitch to i think it was kodak 
I think for a projector or a carousel or something. And he used his own family album um, in, in this projector. Mm. And he just talked really wistfully as he does about memory, how memories take us to a place where we ache to go again. And I just thought like his ability to like use nostalgia in just the right way is, 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 is just, is just amazing. Lovely moment. Daniel Regan, all it leaves me to say is thanks so much for joining us today with such a great insight into all things marketing and construction. Thank you for having me. I'm Stuart Black and see you all next time on B2B Needs Don Draper.